This is St. Peter and Volo Podcast. I'm Father Nathan, and I have a special surprise today. I was at home in the rectory, and uh, the doorbell rang, and this Jehovah's Witness showed up, and I said, Jehovah's Witness person, why don't we go and talk uh, on the microphone? And so I'm here with... Uh, Dennis Sigurniak, uh, who I'm going to convert to Catholicism right before your very ears. Are you sure you don't want a Bible study? <laughs> bring you back to my house. There's a knock-knock joke in here somewhere, Father. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, Dennis Sigurniak is head of the Sigurniak family uh, and a, a parishioner family of St. Peter and Volo. Uh, but he was Jehovah's Witness and... Um, at some point in his life, and I uh, thought it'd be interesting to talk about that, as well as whatever else we talk about. Um, welcome, Dennis. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Never mm-hmm. thought I'd got asked. <laughs> the I wasn't going to ask you, but the people were clamoring for, they were shouting, Dennis, Dennis, I love your Dennis. song, Dripping all right, so uh, where do we begin? Where do we begin with the Dennis Sigurniak story? Ah, it's, it's not that interesting of a story, trust me. I have probably one of the most boring lives out there. But, I don't believe that at all. But the Jehovah's Witness thing seems to get a lot of people intrigued when, uh, when I was teaching catechism. You used to be a Jehovah's Witness, and other you know, parishioners would come up. Well, what was that like? What was that like? And So, yeah, my mom became a witness uh, probably when I was three years old. Um, my dad didn't, but my mom did. I think she was just having like a crisis of faith. And then they just, they come knocking on the door at the right time. And that, uh, they started a Bible study with her and boom, they got her. And I remember, I do have this memory to, uh, to this day. I can still see where I was at. I was born and raised in Lake Havasu City, Arizona. And so we're going down this windy, hilly road. And uh, I was about to turn four. And I, I remember I was sitting in the back of the car. We had a 64 Chevy. and I was, sitting I was the... just going to ask you what kind of car was it because I knew you would know. <laughs> it was a 64 Chevy Impala. And uh, I was sitting in the back, no seatbelts on because who needed seatbelts in the mm-hmm. 70s? And uh, I'm sitting there and I'm, my mom's on the, you know, right the passenger. My dad's driving. I'm like, Mom, Mom, my birthday's coming up. I can't wait. What's gonna, what are you going to do for my birthday party? And this is what – I could be remembering it wrong because it's a long, long time ago. But she turns around and is like, oh, honey, we don't celebrate birthdays anymore. You're not going to – we're not going to have oh, a no. birthday. <laughs> and I was like, no birthday party? No birthday? And that's – I actually remember that. And so, yeah, from pretty much from four years old until I was out of the religion, I never had a birthday or Christmas or anything – but I'm glad she did it when I was younger because at least wow. I didn't, uh, at least I, you know, really didn't remember a time before that except for that one birthday party. That's amazing. I, I'm already, I did not know that about Jehovah's Witnesses that they don't celebrate birthdays or, I mean, or Christmas. I mean, do they, not, they don't believe in Jesus. They do believe in Jesus. But they don't believe he was born. They do. They're, they have a Gnostic viewpoint of jesus i mean as i've looked at this 
throughout there, thought about this and reflected on it over the years. They really have a Gnostic uh, viewpoint of of him. They don't believe he's really God. They believe, or maybe it's more an Aryan. I can't. Like, sometimes I get those two mixed up. Mm-hmm. They don't really believe he's God. They believe there's like there's God the Father, mm-hmm. and he he's Jehovah. He's he's got and that that Jesus is his son, but he's not quite as high as God the Father. Right. That so, would seem like an Aryan, an Aryan. Uh, like the, it would seem right. like the Arian heresy, which is in some way Jesus is less because he proceeded from, or he he is, I'm mean, not, uh, he did proceed from the Father, but that he was created by the Father in some way. So yeah, okay. So Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that Jesus is equal to God. Yes, I'd say that's accurate. That is, that is accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, so where, so where does did your practice of of the Jehovah Witness religion where did it begin? What did, what did that look like as a as a child? Besides not having birthday parties. <laughs> well, that was that was a, that's not a really a fun way to grow up. Now, my parents, great parents, did a great you know job, very loving, you know how, how they raised. But being a witness, a kid. As a, a Jehovah's Witness kid, was, was tough because again, there's you're in school, there's no birthdays, no Christmas. All these kids are all celebrating it. They really don't want you hanging out with anybody but Jehovah's Witnesses. So they try to limit those relationships and keep the relationships within the Jehovah's Witness community. So it's like a stay in place order. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice, Father. (laughs) Absolutely. That's what it kind of starts to to feel like. And then I was raised during the Cold War. I was in high school when the Cold War is going on, right? Mm Mid-80s. Well, they don't don't stand for the national anthem. They don't pledge allegiance. And so in Hmm. my one school in Lake Havasu, I I went to Lake Havasu Havasu schools until eighth grade. It was just pledge of allegiance. And you can kind of stand there inconspicuously mm-hmm. and just not pledge allegiance because you're not supposed to. Yeah, I do that all the time. <laughs> I'm sorry. Because <laughs> I, I try to, I try to, but I'm I'm not yet an American citizen, so I'm not sure, like, I'm working on it, but anyway. But yeah, I know I know what that's like. Anyway. So, so you can kind of just inconspicuously just kind of stand there and not draw attention to yourself. But then in my freshman year, we moved to a place called Kingman, Arizona. And in Kingman, the high school, they do the na- they did the national anthem, uh, you know, before the start of every day, the school day, and so witnesses can't stand for the national anthem. So now you're it's very conspicuous, and wow. so you're sitting there, and as I'm sitting there, and and I loved America back then, and, and uh-huh. I was just a witness, and you know, I I loved all the opportunity that America America provided, but I couldn't stand for the national anthem. And I really wanted to, but I'm trying to be obedient. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting there and I'm hearing behind me, communist, commie, communist. Oh, wow. oh my. And so for two years, my freshman and sophomore year, I didn't, I didn't get smart right away because I was like, man, if my mom finds out, I am dead meat. There's no way I'm going to stand. And finally, by my junior year, I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm standing. I'm being tired of being called a communist. And so, but at that point, by my junior year, I started, uh, I, I really wasn't believing it. Uh, anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my sophomore year, I remember thinking to myself, because they drill this word into you, the truth, the truth, the truth. Right. They always think it. And so I remember um, my, I remember uh, sitting on my bed just listening to music 
and thinking, I, I thought came in my head, and I was like, what if the Jehovah's Witnesses aren't the truth? What if, what if I'm being, what if I'm being lied to? I, as a 15 year old kid, I'm thinking that, uh, and then you know those, pretty soon I was like, I don't think it really is. And by my junior year, I was pretty much checked out. Hmm. So tell me, why why don't, uh, what's the reason behind not standing for the national anthem? It's because they believe you can't put anything above God and the only only one you should be standing for is God. And you're not supposed to be standing for your country. Hmm. You're not supposed to go to war for your country. Um, that Jehovah stands above all else. And as Catholics, we believe God stands above all else too. Right. right. But as Catholics, we also vote. We also have shed blood for this country mm-hmm. where the witnesses just take, in my opinion. And I'm not trying to mm-hmm. sound bitter, but it is if you're not going to vote and try to change you know, the country and you're going to let other people go and fight and die for the country, whether right, wrong, or different for these war, the wars that we go into, um, if you're not participating, you're letting other people do it, you're just checked out and you're just taking. Mm-hmm. And what's, what's, so, so, uh, so where did the Jehovah's Witness start? Didn't they start uh, in America? Yes. 1870-ish time frame. Um, I think its name was Russell, was the founder. Mm-hmm. Uh, he used to sew buttons uh, for, for a living and then decided to start his uh, own religion. And then... Uh, so what was his inspiration? I don't really know. Probably money. <laughs> I mean, that, that's just guesswork. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I have no idea what his inspiration was. Because I think that there had to be some level of, like, of sincerity. I mean, I don't, I I would assume that, I presume that, that there's a level of sincerity of, okay, I have, I have been enlightened by God in some way. Um, and I, I've probably, I've had an experience and I need to share this experience with others. And if it's not perfectly true, it will have it, it will have different uh, 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 p- uh, different pathology, right? It'll be it'll have you know if you don't believe Jesus is God, that's gonna that's gonna change that's gonna change every, the way you live your whole life, you know. Um, so Russell sounds right because I remember I have uh, uh, my dad's side of the family also was jw um at some point uh none of them are that now and it's really kind of turned them on off of religion um and um yeah so yeah but so so what's the what's your what's the experience so what's the jehovah's witness experience so you 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 say it's true is true is true until you're a teenager, you get to those years where every teenager begins to question what they were taught. You know, you, you transition from your parents telling you everything and, and you receiving it. And then you get to the point where I have to believe this for myself. Uh, I have to choose. I, I'm, my reason is more engaged now than ever. And then and that's where a lot of people fall away from the faith. That's where a lot of people fall away from the Catholic faith too. Um, and I, I, obviously wrongly, I, be, I believe, because Catholic faith is true. And I think a lot of uh, young people aren't given the 
the reasons that they're looking for. Uh, but how was it for you? I think the difference between the two faces, and you're exactly right, is you start questioning. But the differences between the two faces, there's no substance behind the witnesses that can back it up. Because to your point, once, once, if you get kicked out of the witnesses or you leave the witnesses because of the brainwashing of that organization, uh-huh. you get really turned off from religion. And in pretty much everyone that I've known that's got kicked out has uh, turned atheist and stayed at pretty much their whole course or was atheist for a while uh, from right after I was out, me included, mm-hmm. um, because there's no, because then you start, you just equate that the witnesses are just like every other religion out there. All right. religions are the same. Right. Uh, once uh, my wife uh, is the one that really brought me into the faith, I was starting to search. It was probably five years after I'd been out of the witnesses, and I was starting to search and try to, and then I met Paula, and Paula was very faithful and knew her faith. And so she got me to the priest, and at that point, when he showed me the lineage of the popes, and Peter was the first pope, I remember the first, that just blew my mind away. I remember the first thing I said to him was, wait a minute, Peter was real? Mm -hmm. That guy was actually real? He's like, oh yeah. And I go, and it goes all the way uh, to uh, uh, Pope John Paul II at the time. Mm -hmm. And he's like, and, and that Blew me all of a sudden. The historic now the Catholic Church has can claim it's the truth and has all of history to back it up, and it's got all the theology to back it up, and we have all of the theologians and the great saints to back it up. Witnesses don't have that, so it's it's really empty. So when you fall away, you fall away hard as mm-hmm. a uh, as as a witness, and there's really I don't see coming back. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I mean, there's always hope, you know, for right. for every for every person and for. And you know, our Lord can, goes down to the very depths of hell to redeem uh, um, by the, the depths of the dead. You know, He goes down to the depths of hell. Um, those who are who have chosen otherwise are uh, there is hell. You know, there is an I- irredeemable place. Um, that I'm not saying that there's no hell, but our Lord goes down to the depths of every misery and depths of sin and every and and presents himself there and gives hope for those who are in the lowest, uh, in the lowest place. And, and I coming from a strong evangelical background, a Pentecostal there, I, I think it's a similar thing, perhaps not as bad. Um, yeah. Uh, and that's a sort of fideism just like that is just believe is faith without reason. Right, so you have to believe this is the truth. You have to believe, but without without being able to reason through it is kind of what you've been saying. Yeah, and it goes back to what you're, you're like. So, what was it like as a child? Well, don't celebrate birthdays. Well, why can't we celebrate? You have these questions, right? You mm-hmm. take all these kids on these walks, right? I'm sure they're peppering you with questions. But the beauty I is, wish. you have answered. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll have to start talking Sorry. about that. It's probably O'Neill's kids. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Kevin's probably not, you know, having them ask enough questions, and it's like, so we'll we'll talk to Kevin about that after this. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I mean, but you're you're. I know you get peppered with questions because I know you know my own kids have done it. I know I see the kids around you after math. Um, you have answers for them, 
Well, mm-hmm. why why can't we celebrate birthday? Well, because uh, the two times uh, birthdays were mentioned in the Bible, uh, a death happened. John the Baptist got his head cut <laughs> off, and like, but no one said that you couldn't celebrate a birthday because of the is that state. really the reason? Yeah, that that's the reason I was given oh, wow. multiple times. Yeah, that's why we don't celebrate birthdays. Um, why don't we celebrate Christmas? Well, it was really a pagan holiday to begin with. Well, that was okay. So. Why did we celebrate? Why did the Jehovah's Witnesses celebrate until the, until the 1960s? And if it was pagan, uh, you know what changed in the mm-hmm. 1960s? And so you had all those questions, and then you add on top of it, we had to go knocking on doors. Right. Like I said, there's a knock knock joke in there somewhere. <laughs> Boy, you had to go knocking on doors, and that's mortifying for a teenager. I mean, I'm not talking like going to war, mortifying, but it. It stinks. <laughs> sure. No one wants to do that, and so, and I'm trying to convince you to have a Bible study, and I don't know what I'm talking about. And so my buddies and I, by the time we got to like 16, uh, we were like, yeah, we're going to go knocking on doors. We're we know how to drive ourselves. We're going to go knocking on doors. we get all dressed up in our suit and tie. Uh, mm-hmm. But then we'd have our bathing suits in the, the back, and so then we would drive off, <laughs> go to the beach, <laughs> hang out at the beach. <laughs> Much more relaxing. Um, so – so what, yeah, so what's the whole, like, so obviously they placed a great emphasis on evangelization, uh, you know, uh, and, but they don't, and they, as you said, they will, they'll, you know, the method is say, let's have a Bible study, right? And right. I've, I've heard that so many right. times, you know, people come to the door. Uh, but it's not the Bible, right? I, I mean, is it's it their this? Bible, but they tried it. They try to use, I mean, is it the same? Like if you bring out a Catholic Bible, would they say this is the same Bible? They would say, you can use your Bible. They will do that because they only changed certain parts of it, but key parts of it. Like I believe it's John 1.1, there, you know, the word was and the word was God. They put an A in front of it. The word was a God to kind of differentiate that C. And so if you don't know that that word was never there, they're they're having you use your Bible and then they just – they come out with their Bible behind it, and everything else looks the same. And they're like, see, it was a God. And so then they start bringing you over to start just reading their Bible. They'll start with yours. Huh. And they'll start and say, see, he, Jesus, is separate from God, which doesn't that go against one of the commandments? You know, there's only one God. You can't have multiple gods up in heaven. Wow. That's how you do it. Um, yeah, that's amazing. So John 1.1 1, 1 is probably the most packed with meaning. You know the word. Uh, the word was, the word was God, and the word was with God. In the same sentence, saying that Jesus is God and with God, is is the most simple and most sublime expression of the Holy Trinity. You know that that you know that the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. But the Father is not the Son, is not the Holy Spirit, is not the Father. Like it's it's incredible. So to begin there, I mean, if you begin with the Trinity and you mess up the Trinity, you you've messed up all of creation and all of our relationships and everything because everything flows from the Holy Trinity, right? So, yeah. Um, let Let's just switch gears for a second here. Uh, what What is the good that you received from the Jehovah's Witnesses? They they instilled 
the morality. Um, one good thing is the good and the bad. There, there's good news and bad news with the Jehovah's Witnesses. The uh, the bad news is seems like and I'm saying this kind of tongue in cheek, uh, but it seems like they don't want to have any fun. Mm-hmm. And the good news is they don't want to have any fun, so they really stick their scrupulous, stick to those morals, mm-hmm. and they they create a good moral foundation for the children. You, you're you not going to have a bad neighbor if they're, they're very sweet people, they're charitable people, giving people, um, people, I mean, they're, you know, the religious, you know, they're very, they're very, um, they want to do what's right. They want to live by the Ten Commandments. I mean, if, uh, how do I say, uh, if everyone in the world was a Jehovah's Witness or practiced as a Jehovah's Witness, yes, they'd have a false faith. But boy, they would be very moral. They wouldn't be going out and you know they'd be waiting to marriage to get you know to you know to to be married. Mm-hmm. I'm clean. I'm trying to keep it clean here. <laughs> um, you know, they're not going to be stealing. They're going to be killing. They're not going to be. I mean, they are going to be living a very, I would say, moral life. And That's, no birthdays and no Christmas. Yeah, like I said, there's there's the bad part of no fun. So, yeah, but so. So if everyone was Jehovah's Witness and they were all moral, but they had no fun, uh, what's missing from the picture? Like, the, so then what's your, what's your, what the problem with this is? Is it's like this? The problem is, it's like a spring. Mm-hmm. You've compressed this. You've compressed the spring, mm-hmm. and especially with children, mm-hmm. and and this is what they do to, to kids. So if you're an adult and you want to live that way and you can live. But it's funny, as an adult, you've gone out and you've had your birthdays, you've had your Christmas, you had it, and if you become a Jehovah's Witness as an adult, boy, you 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 think, uh, well, I've already had my fun with doing that stuff. Uh, I remember my dad was like, well, I don't have to spend any money on Christmas. I don't have to spend any money on birthdays. Yeah, this is great. Because my dad, like I said, wasn't, wasn't a, um, a Jehovah's Witness. Um, hmm. But it just starts to pride those other kids. And then it starts, those other kids start to really, like a spring, and they're clamped they're they're depressed all the way down, and so they're seeing all these other kids having birthday parties, and they and kids want to be like other kids. Mm-hmm. They want to be normal. They say quote unquote whatever normal. They want to be normal, and so they they see that. Um, you know, you you as a kid, they want to go out and they want to join sports, mm-hmm. and they're discouraged from sports. Mm. At the time, I don't know if this is still the case. Discouraged from college. I mean, I was discouraged from college as a kid. I wanted to go to college. I did eventually go to college, and I graduated because I left the witnesses. But if I'd have stayed in there, that that was going to be squashed. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is, instead of having a balance, once they break away, that spring is released, and they're socially. My experience, a lot of the other witness kids that I was friends with that are broken away feel the same way. That spring is released, and you're socially awkward. You don't know how to act socially, and so you go overboard with. With with pretty much everything, you know, when you're trying to get out there in the world, hmm. and it's just it's hard to find yourself at that point to say to to fit in because you you are such an outcast. You know how how do I act? Well, kids like our kids here, but isn't this just the choice between serving God and serving the world? Meaning, like, so. If you remained a faithful, good Jehovah's Witness, you were following God. Uh, but 
uh, obviously you were a very rebellious Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> I was. <laughs> so then you just went off to the ways of the world. I mean, that was that's the di- that's the dichotomy that's given, right? And that, and that, that's not. That is, in, sorry, you're exactly correct. Um, but what we're missing there is now you don't have enough. You you have elders and ministerial service that organizational structure mm-hmm. that believe they're the authority. They're not. A, they're not. They're not an authority, and so in their practices, in their beliefs, they can become overscrupulous mm. to the point of now you could be so scrupulous, you, know, you yourself could be sinning, and so that's what starts to then tear people. Obviously, you're not getting sacraments as a witness. I mean, we're talking like hypothetically, if witnesses were the only religion, but you're not getting sacraments, but. They're also being pulled away from God and pulled away from the faith with their, their overscrupulous, their judgmentalness. Um, and I saw a lot of that in the congregation. Yeah, I, I know. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I know that it's very true with any religion or with any belief that is not, that doesn't fully accept who man is, you know, with your intellect, will, emotions, body, all of it. If you can't incorporate every part of yourself into into religion, there's going to be there's going to be uh, uh, there's going to be a backfire. There's going to be a you know uh, there's going to be a point where it goes wrong, where where it's un it's untenable. It's you can't remain that. Like you can't just uh, grit your teeth and and say yes, I'm gonna I'm just gonna will myself to heaven. You know, we have to account for who we are, who God made us. And God made us good with a good intellect, a good will, passions, uh, body, and all those things are to work together for good. And that's why, you know, as Catholics, we, uh, we can party, you know, <laughs> we can, we can, you know, there are, there's a time for feasting and there's a time for fasting. There's a time to, um, to control the body and say, you know, there's a time to practice temperance. I mean, always is it, there's always a time to practice. I mean, it is always the time to practice temperance, but there's a time to, to mortify the body. And, and that's for our good to, to bring ourselves into order. But then there's also a time to rejoice in the good that God gave us. And that's, so that's what, that's the Catholic whole vision of the person that incorporates the whole person into into God and for anyone other than Catholics uh, and now I really am speaking like a fool for <laughs> <laughs> um, there is um, there's a lacking there there's a not everything is brought into being with um, not everything is being brought into union with Christ because not everything is accepted first of who we are. And so I remember seeing this in the evangelical church. There's a very pretty facade. There's a very, you know, everyone is the perfect family. And this happens in the Catholic church too. It's part of human, it's part of, you know, the uh, humanity is, is we want to put up a good, a good image but I, I really see that, especially you know, had a very prosperity gospel um, bringing upbringing, you know, uh, for a part of it anyway. 
And um, I was like, yeah, if you had to be wealthy, and if you're wealthy, show that you, God's, God was blessing you, and that was made it very clear that underneath you were a very righteous person. But underneath, people were not. Underneath, there was all kinds of, all of the sins of humanity that are in every person. And I think that's why we, I mean, the Catholic Church, we're constantly um, making active contritions, <laughs> acts of contrition, and and we begin every Mass with uh, with that acknowledgement that I am a sinner and and I bring every part of myself to God. And I think that's really what's missing uh, from the, the evangelical church, where uh, that, in my experience, and this sounds exactly what you're saying with the Jehovah's Witnesses. Absolutely. I mean, I think you said it right there. The, those, those, at least with the witnesses, when you remove the fullness of being human, and I don't think, I mean, what you said, oh, you're not a fool at all. That was that's exactly right because. When you walk in and you actually remove that fullness of being human, there is a facade that everyone's perfect. You know, they, they want to put this facade in there. Everyone's perfect because if you show one fault, the elders, ministerial, starts going around the congregation. And, 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 and I guess there's a perfect example of this of when you said the beauty of the church. When you walk in the Catholic church, it is beautiful. Um, and, and you can see, uh, you know, uh, whether it's, it's the statues around or, or just the, the Eucharist at, at, the, at the altar. I mean, it's, it's, it's very beautiful. And then when you see we are doing an act of contrition, we are just human. We're all fallen. And as Catholics, I think we really realize we're all fallen. So one of my friends was, he's still an atheist to this day. He got kicked out of the Jehovah's Witness Church. His cousin was, he was 18. We were both kicked out. Um, and I'm trying to distinguish how sterile, when you go into a kingdom hall, to a, to, to a, a Catholic church, how sterile it is. We went into our first Catholic church because his cousin was getting married in a Catholic church. Never been stepped, either of us never stepped foot in one in our lives. We walked in there. As we walked in, I still remember this day. It was like, I was like, whoa, God's in here. Feels like feels like God's in here because at that point my buddy and I were both flipped mm -hmm. atheists. Feels like God's in here. I thought it. My buddy turns around and he's still like I said hardcore atheist today. He's we're goofing. Turns around just he's like, wow, this actually feels like there's God in here. Wow. So he says that. <laughs> yeah. So to go to your point, the fullness, the beauty of the faith, the Catholic Church, because Christ that is truly Christ homes, where a kingdom hall is sterile. And so you ask, what's what's missing? Well, Christ is missing out of that that church, mm -hmm. and and we can't be at those those that religion. I don't feel you can be truly fully human there. You have to put on the facade. You mm -hmm. can't because you're not experiencing all that. They don't allow you to experience what it is to truly be human. Sure. Wow. Yeah, I was just thinking. So I'm looking at the crucifix behind you. Um, that and, and just thinking of uh, the incarnation. Here you have you have God, God the Creator of all, and God our Creator, and God divine, inaccessible, e eternal light, and then you have Christ, who is a man and who walked on earth. You know, uh, I, I was thinking of uh, the conversation I had with Brother Nathan uh, when he just came back from the Holy Land, and 
It's like the, the realization to see that Jesus walked here on this earth, that God's feet were, were dusty from these roads, you know, that that's a scandal to the human imagination, to the human mind that, that God can be so low. If we really, if we really come to, to apprehend it, to see it, uh, it is much more comfortable to keep God as, as only God, as only spirit very far away, or it's, or it's comfortable to make God more, what if God was one of us? <laughs> Just right. a slob like one of us. <laughs> nice, ni- nice 90s reference. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but the, you know, but the incarnation, the, what, what is beautiful uh, when we perceive something that 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 draws us beyond creation, um, it is divinity mi- divinity mingled with humanity, you know, uh, divinity taking up humanity, as- assuming uh, Christ assumed human nature, and all of beauty is a reflection of that person of Christ. It is somehow that that wholeness of, of both what is both divine and human. And a, a, another interesting point from one of my, a, another friend of mine, we, these friends I'm talking about, we've grown up together since we were like five years old. We were raised as witnesses together. I mean, and then we both all pretty much got kicked out together. So this, he said he, he turned atheist. And now he says he's not an atheist. And like, he's like, I never was an atheist. I'm like, well, Okay. I'm glad you're not now, but uh, he, I remember when we were in our twenties, he said something, he, he, he really kind of was thinking about it. He goes, I didn't understand at the time, but now I get it. He's like, Jehovah's witnesses are kind of like wannabe Jews. I'm like, what, what does he even mean by wannabe Mm -hmm. Jews? And it's the Jews were waiting for their Messiah. And, and I never really understood. And I, I still really don't. So maybe I'm completely off base on this, but my understanding is the Messiah was going to come for the Jews. Basically, they were looking for an earthly Messiah that was going to, you know, have them rule all, rule all over their enemies. Mm-hmm. And then the Messiah would bring the kingdom there, the Jewish kingdom there. And I believe the Pharisees believed that these were going to, they, that their people were going to be resurrected and they were going to live like on a paradise earth. It was going to be the Jewish kingdom, paradise like earth. And there was going to be no death. And it sounded sounds just like the Jehovah's Witnesses. So the Jehovah's Witnesses. So, yeah. So what's their what's their eschatology? What's their end game? What does it look like at the their final in the final analysis? Garden of Eden. The whole Earth's Garden of Eden. Garden of Eden. So they're like we are meant. They believe we were meant to be like Adam and Eve, living in the Garden of Eden on a paradise-like Earth. And so that's their whole deal. And then. In 1914, this and, and this could be changed now, uh, 1914, that Jesus' kingdom was set up here on earth, and that's when they said, and pretty soon Armageddon's going to come, he's going to wipe out everyone that's not a Jehovah's Witness, they're going to resurrect the dead. So mm-hmm. if I'm, if we die before, as a, if we're believing Jehovah's Witness, if we die before Armageddon, we're going to get resurrected. And then, for a thousand years, right. they're going to... Um, Teach us as Jehovah's Witness can be perfect. And then Satan's going to be let loose for a little bit, tempt some more people for just a little bit. Those people don't love God. 
they're going to be dead forever. God's going to destroy Satan. And then they live forever on a paradise like earth for eternity. That's sure. what they believe. Um, and so, it kind of ties into what, very similar to, to what I believe is uh, the pharisaical viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So what do, what do Catholics believe? So what, how do we believe differently than that? How do we believe differently? Like what, what, what's the Catholic viewpoint of, of eternal life? Like, are they wrong in their thousand-year reign? I would say they're, they're wrong because I believe that we, if we die in God's grace, we'll eventually get ourselves to heaven and we'll be up there with God, worshiping God in heaven. Right. In our bodies. Eventually, Right. Glorified bodies. Glorified yes. bodies. Glorified right. bodies. And we exactly. will, because our Lord in his glorified body ascended into heaven um, just this Thursday. And uh, and when we, uh, uh, when we die, we will rise too. And we will rise to be like him. And uh, in our glorified bodies, which are real bodies, uh, but glorified. And... Um, but is heaven on earth or is heaven in heaven? Heaven's in heaven. But okay, you're right. I was just trying to. I was just trying to start a fight. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, heaven is heaven. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting some trick questions here. I'm like <laughs> I'm questioning myself. What are they right, Father? <laughs> Am I going yes. to be able to lie with a lion? I've actually, a lion? I've actually asked you to come here so that I could uh, do a Bible study with you. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> no. Uh, I can't get away from these people. <laughs> so, so what's the right approach to, what's the right approach, like, what's the Catholic approach when a Jehovah's Witness comes to the door? You as someone who has knocked on the door, what's the, like the most effective way of, of actually having a conversation or is it even having a conversation? Would you, so first A and B, would you, do you not answer the door or B, do you answer the door and begin a discussion? I think we need to try to reach their hearts. So I do think if we can have a discussion and there's, there are some people that I think could just like hit it out of the park and, you know, Kevin O'Neill, being somebody like that, mm-hmm. or, or uh, you know, Tom, Matt, Tom, Matt. Or, Tom or Magdalena Hudson, mm-hmm. you know, they just they know so much. I think they could just hit it out of the park uh, with them and it, and and really start to work through some of the curveballs the witnesses like to throw. I had some come to the door a, a couple weeks, couple weeks ago. Like, who am I kidding? It's been a couple months now, uh, and they were. I went to John 6 with them. Mm-hmm. So I, I think my... didn't. I did. <laughs> I was so, <laughs> so bad. That's excellent. So yeah. I started... I started... Uh, I, I, I was like, you know what? They. I think I'm going to start leveraging the Eucharist uh, more. And, uh, and, and it's, it's coming here, I started realizing that because I used to try to try to debate using like historical, you know, historical, you know, the church and how it's built historically and... But now I think the Eucharist is so powerful that that's where I try to go with them. 
And it was very interesting because I started talking about John 6, and they kept trying to twist and twist, and you can't let them twist. You can't let them take control of the conversation. So when they would try to red herring and go off, I would keep it right back, and I went right back to John 6. Mm. Finally, the lady just looked at me and, and goes, you're not really you're not really taking his true body and blood. And she looked at me and she started then and, and she started to walk away. Hmm. And and they, they talk and I wish I, I know what I'm gonna say now next time. I because when they were walking away, I was like, Don't be angry. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have taught him like that, but still a little, you know, PT what is it? Uh, what is it? PTSD, you know, from when I was young. But <laughs> I found it interesting. I was like, oh, this, I wish I'd have said this. Um, when they were walking away, I wish I'd have said, you're doing exactly what those disciples did after mm-hmm. Jesus told them about the Eucharist. Right. And really kind of hopefully put that in your mind. You're doing exactly just like what scripture said. Mm-hmm. When Jesus is talking about the Eucharist, all those people left because they couldn't believe it. And now you're doing the same thing. Wish I'd have went there. Next time. Can't wait till the next one knocks on the door. It's going to be so good. Um, (laughs) It's also, you know, I think the there's something too about, you know, it always, it always sounds better in our mind after, um, but the next situation will be different and the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit will, puts the words in our hearts and our, in our lips so that we can say what we need to say. And the thing is, yeah, that's right. We we do. I I I will admit. I last year uh, a couple, very nice couple, I'm sure, uh, came to the door of the rectory, and I was just so. I I just had no time to talk to them. I just and I I should have, I should have. Uh, but uh, it's just. It's like sometimes it's like talking to a brick wall, you know. Like you know, you're not gonna. You're not gonna. You're not going to listen to what I have to say, and and so why would I why would I bother? Um, but we should have hope for all because our Lord has hope for for all people. There's going to be some that listen. There's going to be some that are at that stage. Like I was like, is this you know they're questioning. You know, when I was like 15, is this really the truth? And it's probably going to be a, if you see it like a teenager there. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of there alone. They don't have the elder there with them. That might be a good opportunity. That mind is is wanting truth. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and not the truth they've been fed. Right, right, right. Which is not the truth. <laughs> Which is, it's freedom too. Right. You know, uh, the, the most incredible thing about the Catholic Church is that it's the truth and freedom. There's no imposed truth from from above, you know, from, you know, you're not, like yes, you should memorize things, and that's good for you. But no one's asking you to accept things without questioning them. You should question them, and you should be prepared to give an answer for what you believe, right? And I mean, we have this whole apologetics just so you can do that. You know, that's um, what I love about the church. The answers are all there. Mm-hmm. You you search for them. You're gonna find it, and you're gonna like, wow, this. And it's just gonna solidify your faith every time you keep praying and research, praying and research. And um, trust me, if, if if the Catholic Church can bring me in, it, it, it can bring anyone in because I was as stubborn and prideful and, and stupid as one could get at, at that time. And 
probably still am according to some out there, but, (laughs) but, but it really, I mean, I was, I was looking to debunk the faith when Paula you know, started bringing me to church. Mm-hmm. I was looking yeah, so at me, and I couldn't. Tell me about your coming to the church. That how did you, what brought you to the Catholic church and, and specifically St. Peter in Volo? Um, one parish among well, that's, many parishes. I'll try to make this like short and snappy. So essentially, like I said, I was, I was kind of an atheist when I met Paul. I was kind of, it's coming out of it. And um, I remember I started to pray just like generic prayers before I was even, you know, knew anything. You know, I just like my old Jehovah's Witness prayers, I started praying again. Um, uh, one of them was, you know, is if please let, uh, I asked if, if Paul's the one, please show me. And I think in his, in his own way, he did because it looked like for a while, my wife and I, we're not going to, uh, we're going to break up. And I was like, you know, your future wife, my future wife, but yeah, my wife now. Sure. Yeah. That was, yeah. But yeah. Married before. Right. Nope. Nope. Not what I'm married for. Paul's the first and only. (laughs) And uh, what happened was for some reason, you know, she was, she was getting frustrated because I wasn't going to church. We'd been dating for six months. And so she was kind of starting to pull away. And I didn't know at the time. I knew she was, if she'd asked me that day, the first day we met, I, would probably went to church with her because I knew that she was telling me she was Catholic. And I'm like, oh boy, here it comes. I'm going to have to go to church. I haven't gone to church in years. And, you know, now my Sundays are going to get taken up. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's what's going through my mind. And so I'm like, I'm not going to volunteer to go. I'm going to wait for her to ask me. And so I was like, if I volunteer to go, I got to go right away. But if I wait for her to ask me, I might buy some time here. Well, six months went by and she almost broke up with me. And so, um, <laughs> so I actually said a prayer. I'm like, God, if, if she is uh, the one, please show a sign. Please make her back to normal like she was before. And so we had a date that Friday night. I drive over there expecting her to be like kind of distant. And um, I'm like, if she's the one, please. And boom, something snapped. And she was like two weeks of like kind of being distant. Now call me back. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, boom, hi, how you doing? And it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, this is interesting. So then we went and talked to her. And she told me, she goes, I, I really want you to start going to church. I'm like, all right, I'll go to church. So I start talking to the priest. The priest kind of pulls me in with the historical, like I said earlier, mm-hmm. with the, the lineages of the popes. And then um, that I'm in my 20s at the time. I'm still, we get married. I'm still kind of just kind of going through the motions. And then we moved here uh, early 30s, you know, 33, 34. You know, I was 35, probably like 15 years ago. And when we moved here, um, the Da Vinci Code was out. And so I was kind of, like I said, going through it. And the mm. Da Vinci Code kind of shook me a little bit. And I was just like, oh, no, maybe this thing isn't. Maybe it is all just, you know, like I thought before. They're all the same, right? So started those old thoughts oh, start going sure. through my head. Sure. But instead of just like giving, I, I started researching church history. I started going and answering these questions. And, and it started just like peeling back that. I mean, it's that I read the Da Vinci Code. Just I didn't like it. Couldn't stand the book. But I had to read it. I know Magdalena Hudson's going to be surprised to actually read a book, but I had to read that book <laughs> uh, to kind of to, to to myself to kind of understand where they were going and understand you know what you know to debunk it. I wanted to debunk it, and the church made it so easy to debunk it. And at that point, it was like bam, hmm. I'm going to get I got a lot stronger. And then so the Da Vinci Code brought you into the Catholic Church much much more strongly into it, <laughs> right. and then shortly after that. Probably about it took another about five years. At that point, then I started accepting Mary because I really didn't accept uh-huh. Mary in the first because 
you know, you're not supposed to pray to Mary, right? right? That's what every, and I, I struggle with that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, by the, after the Vinci Code, I'm like, you know what? If I'm in this thing, I, I better start asking Our Lady more and more stuff. And Paula was always great at doing the rosary. Um, and it's interesting. The kids were like, we didn't ever say the rosary uh, until Dad started saying it about five, six years ago. Um, no, Paula always made us stay always to the rosary it was uh and then all of a sudden i start committing to the rosary and that's just boom and it's you know you got a lot stronger after that and a lot more strong so wow wow that's great rosary is such a strong part of that oh yeah yeah the rosary is and the rosary is an incredible prayer i mean I, I have to admit it i i don't like to admit this but it's like it's not I, sometimes i dread it i don't i don't enjoy saying the rosary mm-hmm. um I force myself, our, as a family, we do 54-day novenas. Oh, yeah, sure. Because it keeps us accountable to Our Lady. Sure. And uh, and, and it keeps us, uh, you know, if we're going to be accountable, it keeps us praying. It keeps mm-hmm. us always saying the rosary at least every day. Um, it's done wonders for the family. I, I feel it's brought more peace. It's brought more grace upon the household and, and has brought us closer, much closer to, to God. Wow. That's awesome. Well, that's that's just that's just great. Well, I appreciate very much that you are part of this uh, parish, you and your wife Paula, and your children Nick and Alex and Juliet. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for telling us a bit about your story and about Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, we should pray for pray for them. Um, God desires them to be to live life to the full uh in his grace uh and desires all of us to do the same uh we should pray uh, especially with the intercession of the blessed virgin mary who uh whose intercession will bring us there more and more and i want to thank you father for having me on here and uh your parish it's it's just it's definitely been a blessing to be a member of this this parish (laughs) <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> let's let's uh, let's end with uh, Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>